0: what's good, everybody, is the podcast mercenary Christian Joel Ramos back at it again. And I'm here today with a special friend, Raul Montero. Hi, y'all. And uh, we're going to review AEW Revolution from 2023, meaning this year. Absolutely. And we are going to be quick about this. No intros because this is a long pay-per-view and I do not want to spend the entire night going into detail Trying to get my AKAs. You know who the hell I am. You know where you're tuning into. Let's, yeah, you know who I is. We're going to stop this off right. The Zero Hour, a.k.a. the pre-show, started with a six-man trios match. Yeah, yeah. six-man. Yeah. Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers, Penta and Ray Phoenix, accompanied by their manager, Alex Abrahantes. And they took on... The Varsity Athletes slash Trustbusters. This is already fucking with me. Okay, so explain to me this, right? Mm -hmm. Ari Davari, when he's on Dark, he's part of the Trustbusters. Then when he's on Dynamite or Rampage, he's part of the Varsity Athletes unofficially, but now officially part of the Varsity Athletes. I'm already having an issue here. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. It's confusing as fuck. Is Ari Davari in a group and has a separate group, or is he just a floater? Like, what the fuck? Maybe he's a mercenary for hire. Bro, that's what it seems like. His character is great, but, like, please cement the groups on your AW page. Like, give me the brackets of who's in what group. Like, if it's fucking, you know, Hogwarts. I want to know if this is the Dark Order house. This is the House of Black. This, you know, like, for example, Darth, Dark Order, Hufflepuff. House of Black, Slytherin for sure. Uh, BCC, Gryffindor. And Ravenclaw, who's the smartest group? Uh, I guess elite. A lot of, the elite would be the smartest, right. Because there'd be, there would be a ring psychology. Yeah, you're right. That would make sense. There is definitive lines. You don't have Kenny jumping between two different groups. I mean, Adam Cole, yes. Right. I mean, it's Adam Cole, baby. He kind of has history with the undisputed elite and also with the regular elite. But now the undisputed elite is dissolved for now, but what if Kyle Riley comes back? Does he come back into the fray and did he keep and bring Roddy in whenever his contract is up? Because apparently his contract's coming up soon enough, I hope. Um, Maybe bring back Bobby Fish if he didn't bring and rebuild that bridge? That's gonna be a hard one because he was uh, ready to jump ship. And I don't know, but that being said, enough of this hogwash. Uh, let's get started, shall we? Sort of thing, which I do gotta love the fact that they changed the name from buy-in to zero-hour. That was a Ring of Honor thing, right? Yeah. They started with the ROH pay-per-view and kind of brought it over. And it's true because the buy-in is kind of like, all right, you're trying to sell something. But zero-hour, it sounds like something a little bit more, it's just a, a flair to it or something. Yeah, absolutely. So we have this trios match here. Josh Woods, Tony Neese, accompanied by Smart Mark Sterling, the manager and a former... um And the former uh, champion, Mark, who uh, he still is for now, uh, ROH Tag Champs with his late brother. Uh, They had a great match. Pretty standard pre-show match. Nothing negative I can say about this. Mark Briscoe stole the house. Did he win with the froggy bow? Yeah. He did go for the j Diller but got uh, Josh Woods, uh, or was it Aria that uh, inversed it? I forget. I think it was Nice. It might have been Nice. And here's why it was confusing. I like that they're uniformed, but... They're so uniformed that if you kind of, like, blink, they look too similar to me. And that's not a complaint. It's more like Tony Nese and Josh Woods just look like smaller, larger sizes of the, each other. Like, they look like, you know, twins. Yeah. Not that I would say Tony's is that short, but in hindsight, they look... Ve- like, there's not one blonde and one brunette. It's almost like... It's like the... It's too typical, like, creative player sort of thing. That's my issue. And it's not the gear. It's their haircuts are too similar. It was easier to tell them apart in the ring when there's just two of them. When you toss an Arya, third man, obviously Arya looks way different than the other two, but they're all rocking the same color scheme. So, since I haven't seen this paper in over a week, it's kind of like the... Like, if you ask me who to go, who, fa, who in House of Black, very easy to tell them apart. Yes. You know what I mean? Like... They're uniformed, but they're individuals nonetheless. I feel like with the varsity athletes, they gotta find a way to differentiate themselves. Like I miss Josh Woods with the ponytail, because they made it made him look different than, than Tony. Now they got the exact same haircut, so I'm like, you know what? They gotta work on. Like Pillman and, and Griff Garrison, very similar, both blonde before the same gear. But when they were attacking, Griffin would, uh was the guy with the long hair, like Jungle Boy, and. Pillman was the guy with the mullet. Yeah. you know there was even though, like, because at 100 miles an hour, everyone looks similar. Let's put it that way, right? So in the ring, you kind of have to keep your eyes on. But um, I want to give this match a solid 4.5 out of 5, and I'll tell you why. Mark Briscoe stole the fucking show. Him alone contributing to that match.
1: Yeah, and all credit to him, like, after everything he's been going through Pro the month. last couple of months. A
0: weaker man would have crumbled than... And, I mean, it's been what two months? Since his brother, his brother died. That's yeah. just like, that's tough on anybody. But and he's just in the ring doing his work, and he's doing with the Lucha Bros, one of the best tag teams in the whole division. And my God, he's holding, he's holding up. Uh, so who do we have to say is uh, on commentary: Jim Ross, Scallibur, Shabani, and Taz were on the pre-show. Uh, Justin, Justin, Robbins, of course, announcing uh, referees for the entire referee staff. Uh was that the only match in the pre show? There was a lot of Yeah. Like, that was it, right? It was just a lot of like almost like talking smack segments. Like Yeah. It it felt like an old Sunday night heat. Yeah, there were it was uh Renee, like a newscaster, like a sportscaster among the audience. I kinda of wish they invested in the table, but they would look too similar to it they did that whole table where they were just you know like, like, like pre showing. Yeah, that it's too similar. But I, I I get what they're trying to go for. Trying to keep it still sports-oriented, but not completely comp yeah, the comp. It's sort of like the middle ground between WWE and UFC. Yes. And that's good. Keep it uniquely different. So that occurs, and then we have the preliminary matches lined up where they disclose. I don't want to go over that because they're going to be disclosed. And then we get to the actual main show. So let's see here. Doo, doo, doo. Right there. Mark Briscoe, yeah. But that was a 12-minute and 50-second match. Yeah, that sounds about little right. Yeah. And then we start the first match of the night. Ricky Starks defeating Chris Jericho. Yeah. Second win, singles match. Jericho Appreciation Society were banned from ringside. But this is where I'm kind of questioning. Why did Sammy go for the run-in if he was banned from ringside? I... I don't know, like, to try to not get caught, but I don't... Very obvious. It, I, I kind of wish they kind of hired somebody else to run in for him. It's kind of like, oh, he got one of the guys from the wingman or something. But it was like... So, yeah, she, he was trying not to get seen by the referee at the moment. But then he got crossed by Andretti, who came out of nowhere yes. and speared his ass. And that was a good little thing there. Um, Starks and Jericho wasn't a bad match. No, it's not at all. Like, it wasn't my favorite match of the night, but it wasn't a bad match. No, um, I do got to say,
1: this whole arc that Jericho's been going on, where he's been, like, you know, kind of losing a step, it's very LeBron James-esque, because, you know,
0: like, everyone says, like, as you get older, can he still, like, keep up with all of these? Yeah, it's very much a story of Elder Statesman who doesn't want to let go of his, like, clout or his, like, legend, but he still does well in his team, like, amongst the, in the trios match, he does great, but... This is where he's going to have to go to. He's getting older. He's not a young guy anymore. Dude, having a world champion over 50 is unheard of in any sport. So, in fact, he's able to hold the Ring of Honor Championship at 53, 52. Yes. He he knows his time is coming up, but he doesn't want to go out that way. He wants to make sure that he still looks like... like It's believable if he wins the international championship or the um, TNT belt now. Yeah. Or even when the trios belt. Something that they're kind of like alluding to. Like, not like the number one guy for a show. Because like. they need to really push younger talent. And he's doing that. He's, as much shit as I give Jericho about not pushing younger talent, he's he's definitely pushing Andretti and he's pushing Stark. So he's putting people over. He's just people who are very, like, I guess, a lot, Still of, a lot of PTSD from Hulk Hogan and even John Cena. Like, they feel like they're going to, like, you know, the golden shovel. Like, no, Jericho's not the golden shovel. He's willing to do whatever. To get people over, and it's working. And Starks won. This is the first time that he, I mean, no, to be honest, Jericho's never won a revolution. I'm trying to think. Every single one he's lost. Kingston, uh, I Mox. Think Mox. Was Cody one of them, or no? Co- no, Cody was a full gear, I believe. He lost every revolution match. This is a stat that uh, somebody on the Mark Marin podcast brought up. Because he had the AEW guys there. And he's like, Jericho's never won a revolution match. Wow. Kind of like how the Bucks have never won in Boston. Yep. See what I mean? They're, people want to say Jericho's always has to win every feud. He lost this one legitimately. And um, Stars look good. He's getting he's getting the Jericho rub. He's getting better and more confident on the microphone. I, I think you're going in the right direction here. with ahead. Yeah, like absolutely. And not to mention him catching the bat. And you know what, that was a definite, that maybe that, catching the Judas effect before it got him. Like, he, he learned from his past. Like, he's like, I'm not going to go out like a chump. I want to make sure I look good. So, that was good. Yes. I, I feel like Stark's stock is definitely on the rise. And um, if he wins a title in the next six months or less, it's believable at this
1: point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I could see him at least taking the TNT title
0: away. Either the TNT or Intercontinental. No, I'm sorry, international, international. The new international championship of Cassidy, or maybe not off Cassidy. Maybe off, maybe Jeff Jarrett does win this week on Dynamite. as a shocking win. And then Stark versus versus uh Jarrett would be a great feud. That's another at double or nothing. That would be kind of dope. That would be another like legend versus you know rising star feud. All right, so next up we got uh, the third match of the night. Technically, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Christian Cage in a final burial match. Okay, I got to talk about one moment. Go for
1: it. So when Jungle Boy had, like, Christian on the ground, yeah. and, like, he's crawling away, and, he, like, turns him over, and, like, Christian, like, went ahead and threw, like, a handful of dirt. Did you also say out
0: loud, pocket tan? No. I was going more kickboxer when Jean-Claude got dust in his eyes, and he had to, like, fight blind for a second. Wait, ain't that Bloodsport? Sorry, Bloodsport. You're right. And they both bleed together. <laughs> Same era. It's hard to like, they bo- those two movies are in- like interchangeable at this point. But like, Jungle Boy just crushing it. Hell yeah. He was no longer the Jungle Boy. He's a jungle man. Yes. But that final burial match, I love they took a wrestling slur and made it into a match. Yes. <laughs> Always burying the young talent. And let's let's not stop and give a shout out to Christian Cage wrestling in a sleeveless turtleneck. How villainous is this man? <laughs> he has to wrestle in a turtleneck. But bro, the funny shit for me is in the end when Jungle Boy finally actually won and pressed the button. I was expecting a slow dramatic drop of the no, and <laughs> <Yo! it> just <laughs> dropped! the thud. Had me laughing. the last smoke. I was laughing so hard. I was hoping Christian was comfortable in there. <laughs> oh, back in the injury list. Alright. But yeah, that match, I have to give it a honest four out of five. Yeah, like I'm there too because it was your standard street fight slash Not dance. only that, I was very sports entertained by it. I was, too. It just felt like this should have happened months ago when Christian got hurt, and it would have had a better impact. It should have been on, what was the previous pay-per-view, Full Gear? Right. It should have or it should have been their all-out match. Or Yeah, because it felt like it dragged so long, I feel like it took a spot away from a better feud up. Like, I don't know, Swerving Lee, why wasn't that on the pay-per-view? That's my biggest disappointment right there. It should have ended it. Unless they're going to extend it, then whatever,
1: but... I feel like they are going to extend it. I feel like they have
0: to because, like, we didn't give them a proper finish. So, we have to, like, really make this look good because Swerve is the best heel outside of MJF right now. And Christian. I'd say he's in the top three best heels in the company, in my personal opinion. Yeah, number four, Rick Ross. Oh, best man, (laughs) Rick Ross, number one, and best manager. All right. So, we move on here to the House of Black versus the Elite and this was their standard six-man tag team match, aka Trios World Title Championship match. This was uh, 18 minutes, perfect lot of time. Um, I didn't know who was gonna win this. I would have been fine with either. That's the great thing about the Trios division right now. I feel like they're finally building it where you don't give a shit who wins as long as the match is good. Because it felt like it was a little flaccid after the Lucha Bros lost it, and I'm sorry. Death Triangle lost it, and the Elite got it back. But then that Series of Seven, which I doubted, I will openly say I doubted it, was fucking fire seeing that shit. Agreed. I only have one issue with it. Go for it. They shouldn't have announced the match stipulations ahead of the time. Yo, that would have been better if there were surprises, but because that way nobody prepared for it. Exactly. The fact that they mentioned every single stipulation when they were down thirty-one, They gave away the finish. Yes. Because they're like, oh, we know this going to be a series of seven now. It's like. Absolutely. And the best part, you know what would have been great buildup? If they all were rocking, like, 2016 Cavs jerseys. No. If you had Garcia and Isaiah on commentary like sportscasters. Oh, just like how they <laughs> did on BTE. <laughs> Yes, with the music. They got the NBC music. (laughs) On TNT. Oh, sorry. On TNT music. So, why not? All right. This was a great match because, again, the fans, not that we're getting sick of the elite. It was just time to get the belts up. It was time to move Kenny to the main event. And not only that, I feel like this was the original plan if Brawl Out never happened. If Brawl Out never happened, I'm pretty sure they would have still lost at House of Black because... There's no way that Malachi was going to come back and he didn't win the belt. Let's be honest. Malachi did play good soldier with Cody Rhodes. And he lost that feud where he should have won it. And yes, he got that clean win on Cody. But in the end, every feud with Cody, it felt like Cody just became like a superhero that kept winning. And that's why the fans were turning on him. The whole, he's never going to turn heel. But ironically enough, he was turning heel because he wasn't allowing anybody to fucking win. You can't be a, a, a superhero if you don't take a L. Not every superhero wins every fight. You have to be able to come back. And I feel like if you lose a feud, it, it definitely puts a chip in your shoulder and adds for more layering. With him, it's like, all right, we're going to know what's going to happen. He loses one big match and he's going to come back and get his win back. That's what I hated about it. Even, even Cena took a clean loss against Edge. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, I feel like Cody needed to learn something there. And I think... He's well aware that burying Go-Go in a most awkward promo, like pro-America promo that really was like tone deaf, wasn't the way to go. But also, where the fuck has a Gogo been? Yeah. He's not even been in the indies. He's usually a shit poster on Twitter. Hasn't posted that much lately. I hope they're going to bring him up. And then now the factories is apparently too. Because QT just sent a recent uh, Twitter post that he is. It someone in the higher up did not like the factory together so they, they dissolve them but the factory members just those together it's just no QC involvement yes especially now that QTV is now a thing I have a feeling that the factory should rebrand and first off the name is pretty basic yeah they should rebrand as the dojo but not just the dojo the AEW dojo how like New Japan as the LA dojo they're a faction of rookies just like that. They should be AEW's Nexus. Ooh. These are the next rising stars. Camarado. Um, um Solo. Solo. Lee Johnson. Um uh, to, 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 uh, to, what's his name? Uh It starts with a B, the one I'm thinking of. God, my camera. I see that thing I I can't think of the names, but there's a few of them. Um they should all be they, they should technically be the Bullet Club of AEW. Even though Bullet Club is technically... In the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, they should be the big, bad heels. And with a guy like Camarado, there's your there's your heater. guy like Solo, he's got the moves. You got... Um, you got... Uh, God, why is his name escaping me? The guy that was at NXT. Cold Carter. Cold Carter, thank you. My God, why could I... See, I, I don't remember him because I don't see him frequently enough. So, these guys have the look, the skills. They just need a... They probably just need a new leader. Maybe not U T because he's busy doing his own thing, but I'd say get a vet that could give them the rub. Paul White. Paul White. Or maybe better yet, how about this? What if this is Jake the Snake's new faction? Hear me out. Ooh. Like he teaches them psychology, but they learn brutality from Lance Archer. But that would mean you have to give Lance Archer a belt for him to look like an, an impressive leader. That's it. Or make him join Jay Lethal's crew. Jay Lethal being the leader, and he's an actual wrestling coach, it would make sense for him to have a faction and kind of put these guys in it, and they all have to go through up Singh to get like... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, like Satinam's like their final boss? Yeah, like he's the guy that tosses people around and these guys are taking bumps for him. But that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to get at... You have to make a... You have to do something with these young guys or put him in Ring of Honor and they become, like, the big bad faction in Ring of Honor. At this point, might, might as well because they're, they're all pretty young. I, I mean, Solo's up there. He's my age. But Solo doesn't look my age. Like, you know, I mean, technically, I don't even look my age. If I shave, I look like a baby. But you know what I'm saying? He looks young enough. Uh, Camarado too. So those guys got to be a tag team, in my opinion. Big guy, high flyer. That's how it's always been. Uh, as far as Lee Johnson, he's already tagging with uh, Carter. So, they're a tag team officially on Dynamite. So, at least they're getting used on Dynamite. But they're not a faction of their own. But that aside, enough fantasy booking. Let's move on here. Um, The fact that, that Brody King looked so fucking phenomenal in this match. Yes. All three of them. Like, especially... Even Julia Hart coming in with that monochrome, like, face. Listen. Julia Hart adds an element that is needed. She is their, like, summoner. Like... She, if this is Final Fantasy, she's summoning three demons. <laughs> she's the, the spellcaster. She's she's literally like Dark Aerith. Dark Aerith summoning fucking Ifrit. Ifrit, Bahamut, and uh, the Cactar. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm glad they got the win. I'm glad Buddy, congratulations, Magpie, and Birdie King. Final- and now they're all double champions. Hold up. What do you mean they're all double champions?
1: Because both Malachi and Brody are the PWG tag champs.
0: Oh, yeah. I get what you're saying. I think, uh, Buddy Murphy is a world champion for Adelaide or something like that. Yeah, I think so. But yes, they have belts elsewhere in other promotions that are not canonically connected, but sort of, um, but yeah, that's great. I hope these guys get more belts. They all deserve it. Um, next up was Jamie Hayter, the women's, uh, title batch here versus, uh, with Rick, Britt Baker, uh, Against Soraya and Tony Storm. Well, Soraya is like the coach for Tony Storm and Ruby, a triple threat. Yeah, this. Smas. Yeah. I feel like Hater was outworking Soraya. Like, Soraya, I don't hate how she wrestles. I know people complain her style is still diva ish in a way, but she works best as a manager because that's what she's been doing the last five years. She should literally be the player coach of her squad, but not the... Like, just get your shit in and get out. I think she... She would benefit from a Jericho-like role. Absolutely, and it makes sense. If her faction grows, it's possible. You recruit Athena... Who used to be a WWE person, right? You recruit someone like, um, who else was an outsider? Dunla Rosa technically was an outsider. She was an NWA before. You know, like these aren't, like, if you're gonna make this a thing, make it like full on NWO versus, you know, the Ada. <laughs> the biggest thing that kind of bums me out, where is Hikaru Shida? She's the uh, original. Because, I, I understand but remember how she was, like, so involved in the beginning of the story? And she got lost in it? Yeah. Which is so weird. I feel like she was just used and that's kinda fucked. But also it's because she travels so much and does other promotions. Understood, but I feel like now with them what if Well she be- comes back. Yeah, she's the sixth person. That would make perfect sense. And you bring back the story and it all makes sense. See? How easy it is to, to book well, here's a fucking kicker. What if she isn't? What if I was expecting Trinity to show up at Revolution Michael you because she's no longer with WWE and she's a free agent and she's a no-name. People like Naomi and WWE, so I wouldn't be surprised if she, you know, jumps ship for money. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her because she needs to take care
1: of herself. Like, yeah, look out for Numero Uno. Well, who knows
0: what her, her what she look what she wants in her life? So I'm not gonna sit here and like tell her how to do. It. But yeah, maybe she's gonna end up there. Maybe she goes to New Japan and becomes uh, Mercedes's like tag partner. Who knows? So, as this goes on, next... Uh, what it, I'm going to be honest. The women's matches are 3 out of 5. It's 2.75. For it me. wasn't the best. I feel like... And Ruby does great, but I feel like Soraya's still got a lot of rust on her. She isn't a bad wrestler. She just needs to get her shit in. And the problem is with her current situation, she has a limited schedule. She needs to get more hours in. Not like bumping, but just wrestling. Just chain wrestling. Yeah. Like... Have her do the same thing Jake Cargill is doing. Do a bunch of the Jake Cargill shit. Or even this. How about with the house shows? Use that to like get her ring rust off. That's simple. So we'll see what happens. Women's division is a little bit... Up. It's in a better place than I would say it was around oh, this time last year. Absolutely in a better place. But I feel like we're still not to the point where it should be. And that's just me being like... That's my one critique of the entire co- company. And it's not just them. It's like Ruby in a recent uh, Grabsity podcast said it's also the higher-ups that don't understand women's wrestling. Because they are old school as fuck at one So They don't understand the women's revolution because they not had one themselves. But, like, have them tune into fucking WWE and see how many women's matches they have. Granted, lately they have not been great about that. But they have women brands. Like, do you not want the money? There's a lot of money in women buying stuff. I mean, you want to get young girls to watch your program, not just old guys. So, again, somebody marketing's got to gotta smarten them up on the women's division and see okay. what they can do to add some more matches. Just What's still hard about having two women's matches in a two hour show? You can fit it in. But now they just announced the AEW Collision unofficially is going to be on Saturday nights at 6.05. Which would be a dope version of like a Saturday night's main event. The mothership. And hmm. if they could have a women's match there, or even two or three, however long the show is. Now they have no excuse. You have three fucking shows. Yes, not including Dark and Elevation. Shows on television, yes. Yes. There's no excuse why we can't have more than one women's match. Like, we can make it happen on 6.05 on Saturday. We can, or Rampage. You know, like, if their main focus is Collision, put all the women's matches on Rampage and watch Rampage numbers go up again. Because I want to see more women's matches if they're done right, booked right, story right. You know, like, give them stories. not just matches. It's storytelling. But, you know, congrats on the third show. And people thought AEW was in the down. They're actually getting another hour of television. So I'm not going to, you know. Yeah, that. thank you, Dana White, for that disaster of a slap fighting league. It play. might have been that would have been the catalyst. Yes. Yeah. How fucking horrible power slap was received. They're like, you know what, AEW? You guys are guaranteed numbers. So here, we'll give you this. Yes, we'll give you this and another show. For behind the scenes. Even, exactly. And they're going to have their behind the scenes all access show right after Dynamite. So technically they'll have four shows on television. Yes. That's a lot of TV, man. you think Tony Khan can do this? Maybe Rampage and Collision are both recorded back to back. Like an hour each. Or maybe Collision's two hours. So like you go to a Rampage slash Collision show or you go to a Dynamite show with Dark. Because it's already long enough as it is. Yeah, yeah. So that would make sense. Alright, so with that being said, we move on to the next match. Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley in a Texas death match. This was, this was
1: a grand payoff. This
0: was not for the weak of heart, because Twitter was split on this as far as like blood spilling, uh, acts of violence and forks and all that shit. you got to have a stomach for it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, the, the moment I cringed was the back scratching. Not even that. For me, it was the fucking fountain of blood in Moxley's head just pooling it. Like, it would just not stop. I'm like, good God. When it comes to Moxley bleeding, I'm kind of numb to it at this point. We are numb to it, but I feel like if we want to attract another demographic, I, that should be like the last match on a card to end the feud. It should not be for the sake of it. It should always be a main event that you can just skip. You've seen the old show. You, know, if you don't like it because... It's just a lot. Like the unsanctioned matches? Yeah, it should be in that level because you could turn it off and say you still watched the whole pay-per-view except for the main event because it was just too much. I know people that literally shut it off, did something else, wait till Twitter updated them, and went back in and side. So that's not a good way to do things. If you're going to have a blood feud match, it should be in a blood and guts match because that's themed and it's a whole thing for it. There's no need for so many death matches on TV. Like, Not that I'm against death matches, but you have to use them where they mean something. And I thought the feud was over with. It made it seem with Hangman having new music for the night and, like, grand entrances. And no, they're still feuding until this day. Yeah. This should have been a payoff match. Absolutely. Like, just... Where do you go from this? (laughs)
1: Like, it's straight up Marvel Phase 4. Like, after Endgame, where do you go? I
0: feel like they're trying to find their Endgame. But you know what? The end game should probably be Forbidden Door because now that you have Bullet Club hopping in, I think they're gonna do like an invasion angle. So maybe these guys can put their damn feud aside, you know, and then my enemy my friend or whatever. So that could be the case. We'll see. Um, this what match you- was for what it was. Four out of five for me. I would give it a little bit higher because That's fine. I did my research. Yes. This is the only Texas Death Match in recorded history that ends by a submission. That's crazy because it's be, always by um, like a table spotter. or by like or like knockout. Yeah, which is yeah, the table spot would be considered knockout. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But having Mox literally hung by a hangman and tap out. You yeah. know what? I'm gonna get points for that creativity. The hangman finally lived up to his fucking moniker and hanged a yeah. man. So four point three, I will go up that much. Maybe because I'm just numb to this whole feud that that's why I'm not really being impartial. But, yeah, that is a creative point that I missed out on. Like, you know, the ending was literally chef's kiss. So, some people said a 5.5. Meltzer loved this. Again, it's for, not for everyone. I'm just going off general interest. Like your taste. And the thing is, I don't mind these matches when they are, you know, few apart. You start numbing me when they become more commonplace. So there's no more shock. It's just like a lot of... Oh, this again. All right, because I'm going to the bathroom. Because I know how it's going to go. All right, so next up we have here a good old-fashioned TNT title match with Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. Big meaty men smacking meat. This was another one where vet tapped because in the end, Joe tapped to his own fucking submission. Yes. Um, but the match itself was great. Absolutely. And... Building back Wardlow
1: with all of this other stuff. It it felt
0: like it was going somewhere, and then what led up on Dynamite. Don't bring Dynamite into it just yet. Based on what you saw, what is your rating? At the actual pay-per-view at the time. I would give it like a three and a half. I would give it a solid four out of five as far as interest goes. Seeing what happened to Wardlow after the fact, I'm starting to wonder... Did he lose on purpose because he lost, because he got he got robbed? Like, was the robbery technically legit? Like, have you seen any news postings about the robbery? Because when Jericho lost his belt, it ended up on the actual news. There isn't any, but
1: it's now being set up with the whole QTV thing. So, which kind of, like,
0: after the fact made me be like, are you serious, bro? I just hate that he won the belt not even three days later, lost it. Like, they shouldn't have booked Hobbs and Wardle this soon from each other because it's become the Hot Potato Championship once again. After finally rebuilding it with Samoa Joe's at King of Television, they go back to Hot Potatoing it. I don't give a fuck about this anymore. If it's not open, I want the open challenges. That's what made the belt cool is the open challenges of people from other companies like, when Cody had it, it was cool. When Darby had it, it was cool. When Samoa Joe had it, he, it was cool. And Even like, Miro. I, Miro made it the, the best win. He, he made it feel like a world championship. Yes. And now with Wardlow, if there's lack of confidence, don't give the fucking man a belt. Don't. Unless if they're heating him up for him and MJF one year later. You can't do that if... He the t- He can't hold a, a damn title for more than three days. Dude, it looks really bad on his part. He should have been dominant. You beat Samoa Joe with his own finisher, and not even a week later, of course with QT. It was a street fight, so they made it look believable. But did Hobbs need QT's help? I kind of would love Hobbs to actually win. QT loses confidence, like Rocky and Rocky too, and like he literally built him up. Like when Hangman lost his confidence. It took an entire year to bring Hamming back. This feels like, all right, you know what? We're just going to hit the fast-forward button. Yeah, like, I really need them to, like, establish a TNT title as something more than... Unless it is just, like, a NWA TV belt where people hold it, like, every other week. Then that's what it is. Because it feels like they're building more of the international championship now as an actual secondary title. Which is a bummer, because, like... Lee literally bled for this belt, treating it like the world championship when he was still alive. Rest in peace. Cody Rhodes made it feel important because he did not want to go for the world championship, which was was so fucking weird. Let's not get into that. Darby made the belt feel important. Sammy made the belt feel important because you didn't want him to have it. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) even Scorpio. Scorpio had a great run as the LA belt. With the Lakers colors. Like Yes.
1: Like all of these TNT champions, I would say up until Sammy beating Miro.
0: I would say until Wardlow beat Scorpio. Yeah. I feel I feel that if you wanna build up Wardlow to be the Batista, he's gotta be able to stand on his own. And if he wanted to do the scrum, he said he wanted to do the open challenge. You literally put it out there for me to be excited to then take the throw off. That's, that was blue balls for me. But, again, we'll, we'll revisit this in, a, in the next pay-per-view and see how well Wardlow looks. Yes, exactly. But you know what this made me feel like? Go for it. Zack Ryder winning the IC title. then losing it the next night. It was just for the pop for the night. Yes. And that's fucked because Ryder should have had an actual run with it. But,
1: <sighs>
0: you yeah, know, I digress. Like Taz says, I digress. Yes. Next matchup is the Guns, the Ass Boys, Austin and Colton Gunn against the acclaimed Anthony Bones and Max Kasser with Father Ass, or uh, Bobby Bumpies, as the Spanish <laughs> announcer, Steve calls him. And, um, and Jay Leto and Jeff Jagger. Oh, it's a triple threat. That's no, four-way. Oh, four-way. Because that's when... Orange Cassidy. sitting and in Dan Den- housing came out in black denim. This was intentionally a comedy match, right? Oh yeah, absolutely! Like this was sports entertainment wrestling, especially with what was coming next. It felt like they were trying to lighten the mood from the last match, mind you. Danhausen was wrestling; he wasn't doing goofy shit most of the time. He was literally wrestling, and I got to give him credit. People were like, weren't so hyped on Danhausen. Like, oh, this guy can actually go. Like, yeah, he's good. He's just really awkwardly weird. <laughs> yes, it's him and Orange Cassidy. It makes no sense, but that's what makes them make sense. They're like night and day, but they are so. They're both. I don't want to call them comedy wrestlers because definitely Cassidy is shown he can wrestle for real. They're entertainer wrestlers. It's it's it'd be no different than the Boogeyman teaming up with. I'm trying to think of a character like Orange Cassidy. It's kind of hard. There isn't anybody like Orange Cassidy in WWE history. Who Johnny Knoxville. A jackass? I mean, I guess. Um, but yeah, um the match was entertaining. The outcome was cool. What made me pop was the return of FTR. Yes. My God. Because everything they had been hinting was like the tag div- tag division was getting like buried, it seemed. Like it feels like yes. the, they the Bucks of the Trails Division building up. It like the tag division was suffering. Like, where's Butcher and the Blade, a legitimate tag team that could have made the tag team strong? Where was Top Flight? Like, I feel like this pay-per-view card had a bunch of tag teams that shouldn't have, no offense, shouldn't have been there. But I get the name value of Jay Lethal and uh, Jeff Jarrett. I get the allure of Dan Housen and Cassidy tagging together. So... I just feel like it should have just been a straight-up one-on-one rem- or a straight-up rematch between the Guns and the Acclaimed. If you're going to do a... Tr- triple third or even like a uh, four-way. Get actual. You want to build the like, guns up as the champions in this pay-per-view. Give them actual opponents. Give them people that seem believable. Give them Rush, Rush and uh, press Vance. You know, like that's a legitimate tag team. Don't put them on. Ozzy the... Open. Ozzy Open where they're available. That could have been a great having New Japan talent on an A pay-per-view. It definitely brings that a certain demographic. You know, like do what you can, but. The fact that they built it up and was like a joke match, eh, you know. Again, this was a great pay-per-view. I'm not sour in the yes. pay-per-view. I'm just saying this match was too on the nose. It's very saccharine. Yeah. But then, you know what? It was a lighthearted match on purpose, like you were saying, because the main event was a serious, serious main event Iron Man match yes. between Brian Daniels and the American Dragon and MJF, the devil himself. Yes. So I get why they did it. This quick thirteen-minute match, because the main event is an hour and five minutes with overtime. Yes. I don't want to go over the match, because watch it. It's an hour long. It controversially, a brave opinion. Go for it. Better than
1: Bret HBK at Mania Twelve. Oh no, no, you're not
0: the only one that thinks that. Everybody who has a podcast says. It's better than every Iron Man match in the history of Iron Man. Do you want to know why? Because they were wrestling, catch wrestling style, world of sports style wrestling. Not only that, there were points on the board.
1: Like, everyone hypes up Brett HBK, but I am sorry. That match is such a drag because it is scoreless the entire time.
0: There's no stakes. When This is what I got like about AEW. They treat their sport like a sport. If it's false, you know, counting kind of like pins and falls, they count it. Um, but not even just that, the psychology. MJF keeping up, if not out wrestling Brian Danielson. I loved whenever he would take the breathers and like get like a little bit you know, of water. I I'm pretty sure the breathers are shoots. But uh <laughs> that being said, MJF gonna wrestle. Where did this narrative that he can't fucking wrestle ever come from? The fact that he hasn't wrestled enough on TV, is that where like people online are just like, oh he's not a good wrestler? Like it's the same thing like Miz, because he wrestles a more safer style. Yeah. It's the same thing like Miz, because he wrestles a more safer style. You know, Miz just looks like he's pillow fighting out there, because his strikes don't look believable. MJF looks like he's wrestling for real, but he just doesn't do it as often. He's like yeah. a, 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 an attraction like Roman Reigns or Andre the Giant. That's what I feel like is adding more to his aura, his mystique. His heelish. Like, he's not trying to out-wrestle anybody. He's not just for the night, like, where it counts. Yeah, because notice, this was his third match of the year already. Let's put it in perspective. If this was UFC, would you say MJF is like Conor McGregor? Nah. Or like Kobe? I would say more early Chuck Liddell. Really? Really? Yes. Wow, see I don't know I only know Iceman Chuck Liddell I don't know early Liddell Dell like that No, like Iceman era, yes Did he talk shit? In his pr- it's been so many years Did he talk shit in his, his press conference? A lot of that, like some of that, some T.O. Ortiz I would have just said somebody like uh, John Jones almost Because you can know Jones can fight But the problem is it's, We have to find somebody that can talk shit And looks like he can't fight, but actually can't fight And there's been a lot of guys Patty the baddie. There you go, somebody like that where he comes across very... And they've been compared on Twitter, actually. Yes. So this is actually very on brand. Um, but yes, he's just a great natural shit talker. In the scrum... My God! I made some comparison. People cannot see it. MJF is Montana Max from Tiny Toon Adventures. I don't mean that as an insult to his height. Because he's not that short. He's short for wrestlers. But he's a pretty average height guy. But he comes off with that energy. Like, he's like... I don't want to say a cartoon character, but animated. Very yes. animated. I like that. What I also got from him,
1: especially from the scrum, not to bring it back up. Go for it. He
0: brought a lot of stuff that Punk was like. He parodied CM Punk with the pickles and the blood face gore and the towel. And he offered pickles. And he was, he popped Brian Alvarez <laughs> as he was talking shit to Dave Meltzer. And you, Meltzer gave it a, five and a half st- 5.5 stars. Yeah, so it's not like he gave it a bad rating. <laughs> but you can tell Brian was loving the work. He's like, oh, this is heaven for me. <laughs> because MGF's character work is so fucking good. He makes you believe he's a dickhead. And from my understanding, in real life, he's a bit of a douchebag. That's literally him. So the character is not far off from who he is as a person. But I kind of get that vibe. Because he looks like a gym bro, yeah. Like he's not exactly like a guy expected to be playing Magic the Gathering or anything like that. Like he's the kind of guy that knows smokes cigars and drinks and you know fucks women and gets like Evolutionary Triple H. Yeah, like he's very much like he just got out of a engagement. He's back on the market. He's going through Hinge or whatever and just picking up. Sure, you know. Honestly, MJF, you got to love from Hinge. You got to go to Rhea. That's celebrity Hinge. All right, Hinge is for this, us common folk. Go to Raya... Get some some baddies from L.A. or from your area who are famous on soap operas or television or movies. That's where you belong at this point. You you don't need the common shorties. You gotta get go get the top caliber girls. In. If Pete Davidson can do it, you can do it easily. So, oh god, I'm just imagining
1: MJF versus Pete Davidson in a Long Island street fight.
0: Book it, king of king of Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said. This pay-per-view was watchable, but the build to it was very weird. Yes. All because of what happened from the brawl out in the previous all-out pay-per-view. Because you literally had to, like, scratch things off and restart. And it's going to be addressed on that all-access show, apparently. Really? You didn't notice that, did you? No. In one of the segments, you see the Young Bucks and Cutler on the couch, like, they were got summoned to the principal's office saying, like, you know, we're just here to wrestle. We're not much of that backstage politics, you know, BS, like they're talking about that. They're not trying to like which also kind of brings credence to what they're saying on BTE now. Problem is when you when you have guys like Melter and Alvarez writing an angle for you and vouching for you to the point where it makes it like gives like they're giving their own narrative, it seems like okay, but now we're hearing the truth cuz people in AWR on punk's side as well. It's not so cancerous when more details come out. And it's funny because my friend thinks he really believed that CM Punk was a full-on cancer. Like, no. He was putting over young talent backstage teaching people stuff. He was just offended a lot of people that he was giving, like, tips to were not taking him seriously, like Hangman Page. And I get Hangman Page because he's a guy who's already made him a card, but would it hurt to take some advice from a guy who's been there? Yeah. Like, why do you feel so defensive? Like, this this is where the high school bullshit comes from, where I feel like the elite... If they're mature, they stay there where Punk's there and make it work. And they don't have to be best friends, but they can at least get this program. It's money. Trio's title with FTR and Punk versus the Elite. Everybody wants it. And you're grown men. Grow the fuck up. I'm sorry. Grow the fuck up. If you don't like somebody to work with, too bad. This is life. Yeah. You can't just run out with it. You can't. You're, I'm not saying, again, a year long program, but a pay per view, like a double or nothing or another uh, all-out or even uh, full gear, it it prints itself just once and that's it. Look, if HBK and, and Bret Hart can, can coexist, hell, if Triple H and, uh, and fucking, who else did he hate? The Rock at one point, were, they didn't like each other. you seen Young Rock, they, they yes. did not like each other. But they for the sake of the business, they worked together with each other and understood each other and met in the middle somehow and made it work. Because I know there's a lot of egos in wrestling. I get oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But... I come from the old school where like if you've got a problem with somebody, you address it and keep it moving. But if you just keep ignoring it, you're building this monster And, and it'll faster. Yeah, it'll just you gotta let it out. air out your grievances and say, Hey, we do this one program that leads to a pay-per-view, and then such and such wins, and that's it. And then both of us move and never revisit this again. And that's fine. And if that happens, great. If it doesn't, it's a, it's a, it's a it's It's not good for business. I feel like they really could print out dollar signs having this feud that, like, you take a situation that was so bad and flip it and make a storyline. Exactly. Just like Matt Hardy and Edge were able to fucking make their real life, you know, love lives part of the show. Was it hard? Yes. Was it achievable? Absolutely. Because we were both professional wrestlers, not amateur wrestlers. That's all I got to say. Because if I was in that position, I'm going to be honest. Anybody swings at me, I'm going to swing back. But I am mad enough to be like, hey, man. Bygones are bygones. Exactly. Now, here's my question I have for you. Shoot. Do you see a CM Punk return in 2023? He's been hinting at it all fucking week, dude. I feel like he's going to come in the next pay-per-view. Because he's been constantly training. I think he's trying to get to the physical position where he looks the part. Like, he's been out so long that he's training. Like, he's posting cryptic songs like with the words honor in it, almost like ring of honor. Like you know, like he's hinting little Easter eggs here and there on his social media. And he barely posts, but he's been posting now a lot more frequently than he has before. So him, he's got friends in backstage. He's got Brody King. He's got guys like uh, FTR. FTR. He's got people Hobbs, people that actually say, uh, Danhausen, one of the biggest acts over in your company, who's friends with the best friends, is really cool with Punk. Like, You cannot have this narrative that everybody hates him when even Jericho's changing his tune. Because Jericho knows what money looks like. He's going to be like, listen, whatever I said about Punk, as long as he he forgives the locker room and he grows up too. Because Punk ain't innocent either. I'm not going to just say it's one-sided. Both sides got to grow up. Punk's ego is too big. And he's got to understand it's a different generation. If you can't see eye to eye, respectfully disagree. That's all. You don't have to fucking be best friends with everybody. You can have two friends. That's all you need. And honestly, God, this is what Punk's had, not the first time he's had this issue with like this, right? And he's had issues with WWE, and I'm pretty sure he had issues with Owens back in the Ring of Honor of old, too. Like, there's always been a history of Punk having a sort of chip on his shoulder. But, bro, you're a legend at this point advocate you know, like yeah, because I guarantee you Sting wouldn't pull this stuff. Sting is the coolest legend. He doesn't give a fuck. You don't see him burying the young talent. You don't see he's there, fucking high flying with the young talent. Him and Darby are both jumping off damn barricades. Like, I feel like Sting gets the business. Jake the Snake gets it, and he's an old old guy. He was in the Superstars era, and he loves Omega. I mean, granted, I'm not saying you gotta love every wrestler that's in modern era. Just think, like tolerate each other's existence. Just understand that you're from different generations, and if this is what's getting over and bringing money, then let's go for it. But if something doesn't work, also take the criticism. It's like it's like any art form. Some some of it's good, some it's bad. Like movies, there's a lot of good remakes, a lot of shitty remakes, there's a lot of good sequels, a lot of bad sequels. There's a lot of new original IPs. There's a lot of bad IPs out there. Like it's just a matter of. Throwing shit in the wall and see what sticks. That's all it is. That's all I got. I can say as far as, like, again, again, again. again. Everybody wants to be on top. Everybody wants to, you know, be besties with the rub the elbows with the bosses. So I get why they are protective of their brand. But if you can get a few good years on a punk before he professionally retires at like 50, because he's not going to do commentary for fucking AEW. You know, he's going to be no. back in the. He's doing commentary in uh, Bellator right now or like other cage fights in the UFC. That's where his money's going to be at when he needs to get a day job. He'll do a paper for, for uh, UFC and Bellator. But this is just something that a chapter he should have closed the right way. And the brawl situation was unsettling. And I hope that they can bounce back from it. That's all I want to see. I want to see Retribution. Not the group. <laughs> Damn it. All right, so any last words or is that everything? Nah, I'm just like... Curious where AEW goes from here. Like you got a third show, that means more hours of television for showing talent. Use it accordingly and push the people that need it. Absolutely, that's it. That's uh, easy said and done. Also, booking Just gotta switch up. TK, not every booker has booked forever. There comes a point where someone's gonna take over. If you ask me, the natural selection for booker Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Guy's been there. He's not going to try to put himself as a well world champion now, but he definitely knows how to book a show. He knows a format. I mean, he's already booking the house shows, right? Or he's like putting them together. So maybe that's like a test run to see what he can do for the actual shows. Absolutely. Just, you know, don't have him book Ric Flair's final match. I mean, if he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, either him or even fucking Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, because he's about to hang it up after this year. It only makes sense that he, that's where he goes. Like, he just becomes a backstage uh, producer, manager, slash booker. If he, or even, even Jericho would be a good booker for, like, if Jericho's not in the main event, if let's say he hangs it up, if you, all right, if all the vets are going to hang it up this year, right, I would have a team, a booking team of TK, obviously, he has to get his final word in. Yes. You put in Jeff Jarrett, you put in Dustin Rhodes, you put in. Jake the Snake, who's going to be the producer for a lot of the shows now and help with storylines. So it makes sense. It's almost like McMahon when he had Michael Hayes and he had um, uh, Laura Nidus. He had a team. Yeah. He had um, Cornette. He had Russo. And he had Bobby the Heenan. He had Pat Patterson. He had a team. Gerald Briscoe. Yeah. These these are the guys that were there to pitch ideas with to get his point across. So TK should have his, you know, D. Malenko's. His Dustin Rhodes, Paul and White, Paul White. Even. I mean, Paul wants, wants to do it. I think he could do it. He's up there in age. He's been he's been in the main event. He, Mark Henry, Mark Henry, who so left WWE for that reason, he couldn't get his voice shirt. Make a booking team with those guys. You're golden. You're golden. You have a you have a and in your women's division, throwing Madison Rain. bro. Madison Rain, Maria Kanellis Bennett, who booked the Ring of Honor women's division prior. She knows how to book a women's division. Have them, Sorina Deeb, um, I wouldn't even put in uh believe it or not, for booking, I wouldn't even toss in Athena. I know she's a young wrestler, but she has a mind for storytelling. If you watch her DD uh yeah. stuff, like she gets storytelling. So I wouldn't be bad to make Athena a producer down the line. But um, what's your opinion on this pay-per-view? Uh, out of five, honest to God. Four point Five because 4.5 sounds fair enough for what we just went it over. definitely like ebbed and flowed a lot but yeah. the ebbs were like really really high and the flows were not that low yeah it wasn't too bad and it was actually flowing in a way where it seemed deemed watchable i could watch it again was it my favorite card no to this day my favorite per view was revolution 2020 for me or 2019 it- sorry or no, it was 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. For me, it's still all out 2021. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's fine because, again, they have to find their mojo back. And the fact they're getting another show on TV, that means they're going to get that renewal. Yeah. And people can stop and just shut the fuck up about this. I hate seeing this. Oh, AEW is dying. But listen, guys. Listen, guys. Guys, they're still new at this. They're still new. And can I just say one thing? What? These are the same
1: people who kept saying Impact is dying
0: all throughout the years. Impact is almost 30 fucking years old. It's not dying, all right, guys? Yeah. You got to understand, Impact now can't die because they own the channel they're on. Exactly. At this point, they're literally bulletproof. And congrats to Scott Demore for his promotion. There you go. President of uh, Impact now? Yep. There you go. So what does that make Gail Kim? Did she step down or... I honestly don't know. I just heard about his promotion. She might just be like the head booker or something like that. I don't know. She's something important. Yeah. As far as like, maybe she books the women's division. I know she has a lot of pull there. So maybe she's a vice president. Who knows? But Scott D'Amour has been doing a great job at Impact. If you don't watch Impact on Access, that's fine. It's on YouTube for a dollar a month. Watch it. Listen, I know there's a lot of wrestling out there. But Impact never fails at making a good show. Exactly. And I feel like people give them a lot of shit because of the studio setting. NWA is in a studio setting too. It's like, guess what? Ring of Honor is in a studio, TV studio setting now too. So now you can't use that excuse to shit on Impact because Ring of Honor is now going to be in a TV studio. Like, cut the shit, enjoy good wrestling, or don't say anything at all. Like, I mean, if the show sucks, I will honestly say the show sucks. But I, I don't go out of my way to promote negativity because what, why waste that breath? There's enough people online doing that shit. Exactly. I'm here to give my fair opinion. And like, we just went through like a lot of negativity. Two years of like just being shut down in my in our emotions and being miserable all the fucking time. And I wanna just enjoy things for what they are. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But at the same time, don't yuck somebody as young. It's like people gotta just chill out with the wrestling. They take the shit more serious than than sports and fucking MCU. Like, people got to really... I feel like everyone's got a nihilist attitude these days and it's pissing me off. They just want to always be right about everything. That's the problem. You can't book a show. You're never going to enjoy a show if you book it in your head. Just, like, I fantasy book here and there, but it's not my show to say what's going to happen. And I don't get disappointed if it doesn't show up. turn out like how I thought. Because I don't know what he's been booking for the next six months after that. Because people forget, Tony Khan doesn't just book day to day. He books months in advance, almost years in advance. So he already has a plan. He sticks to it as much as he can, unless someone gets injured. And so far, if it's working for Turner, WarnerMedia, then that's good, good enough for them. They don't have to make USA numbers because they're a new brand building still yeah they're not like fully established they're known maybe after a decade i mean they're not anywhere near as fame famous as wwe right now so let's not make the comparisons but also they're building their name they're getting their name out there they're getting guest spots on the mass singer they're getting guys on other shows and like yes let's get the word out and let's see how good a, a wrestling world it is when we have two major companies where people can eat or maybe three, maybe MLW grows. I mean, after what occurred with them in uh, Reels Channel, I'm not sure, but or maybe I- impacts are on TV, right? Like if you don't have access, it's, uh, it's cool, but they're technically on cable. You can't say they're not. So three major shows on cable—that's amazing. And um, it's a boom period of wrestling again. It's it's definitely the best it's been in a while, and there's also New Japan Strong. Stop slacking on New Japan or Pro Wrestling Noah or DDT Pro, like Stardom. It's Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like, there's so much good wrestling out there available. And it's all very different. Different strokes are different folks. So give something a shot and then see if you don't like it. That's all I got to say. Exactly. Like, I showed Raul DDT and he actually liked it. Yeah, it was like... Because I'm more used to, like, the comedy spots of DDT. Yeah, he didn't see the actual, like, serious... He didn't know there was actually serious matches in DDT Pro. That's the funny part. People, a, lot, a lot of people don't know. Because all the shit they trends. On YouTube the past 10 years has been all their comedy stuff. Yeah. So we just assume they're just a comedy brand. But no, they have legitimate wrestling matches there too.
1: Also, if anyone knows where I can get a replica DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight
0: Championship. Let the man know he wants one. All right. So that being said, we're working with the fine people of the internet. Internet's fine. Raul. You can find me on my socials
1: at miserability, M-I-S-E-R-B-I-L-A-L-I-T-Y. I do plan on coming back on Twitch sometime in the
0: next couple of weeks. There you go. And you can find me on Twitter at The Podcast Merc. Couldn't fit the whole words and It was too long. Um, and I'm also on social media. You can find me on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Overcast. And apparently Anchor just got bought out by Spotify. Yeah, so, I saw that. So that's one listing thing I have to say. So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. As always, enjoy some good wrestling until next time. Ow. Bye-bye.